0: Listening to the currency welcome. I'm Mike Gaston. This is episode number 105. 105. It's November 14th, 2021, which means we are halfway through November, which means 2021 is almost in the can. There's a month and a half and this year is done. I don't understand it. I just don't understand how this is happening. Now, I've been saying this myself to people as I talk to them that I've noticed as you get older, Time seems to speed up. I don't know about you, but this year has flown by. So here we are, middle of November, uh, 2021, and I have to say this for my friends that know me in the real world—the ones that maybe are still living in New York. Kids, I was in shorts and a long-sleeved shirt, walking barefoot on the beach today. Just, I'm just going to put that out there. I don't mean this to brag. I don't mean this to rub salt in anyone's wounds, but I want the record to reflect that I was in shorts today, this afternoon, walking on the beach in Charleston, South Carolina. (laughs) I just lost half my listenership. They're like, I don't need you bragging about your stupid life, you jerk. Trust me, there are other things about my life that are not good. As a matter of fact, I'd like to talk... So we bought this house, okay, and, you know, God bless the people before us, but I'm not really in love with the color palette, color scheme that that they chose to to paint the house with. Look, it's all subjective. You do you. But I'm sitting in this house going, ah, just, I'm not getting it. And, and a lot of the colors, like, they're close. They're so close, but they're not quite on. And then they don't work together necessarily. I'm like, why did they choose this? But anyway, so you start to make a place your own. That's normal not a problem. So we've been looking at this dining room for a while and I thought, you know what, let's go out. So Monday we went out, we chose some paint. I thought old Mike's going to paint that room on, on the weekend. We'll get it ready for Thanksgiving. We actually got out earlier. Uh, I don't remember what day it was this week. We found a, a dining room table. We've been looking for months for one. Hey, it's on the shop floor. We can deliver it next week. Mr. Gaston. Well, that would be, that would be fabulous. So it's all coming together. So I start painting and, uh, You know, it's, there's all kinds of prep and I don't know if you guys do any painting, but it's, it's, it can be a pain in the neck. I, I, I like it on a certain level. It's very pleasing because it's visual. A lot of my work is more abstract, a lot of thinking. It's a lot of strategy making. It's a lot of problem solving, fair amount of writing, uh, This is nice because you can do something and see it afterwards. I can't always see my work afterwards. Even if I have, like, here's the PowerPoint. You know, I could do, there's a great meeting, you know. There were some arguments, but we really got to a great place. Everybody loves it. That's a good feeling, but I can't see it necessarily. This you can see. I love painting for that reason. Got the ceiling done. That took a lot of work. Got all the walls prepped. Started putting the paint on, the color on the walls. And immediately, immediately, I was like, "Mm, this isn't going to (laughs) work. So I had to finish painting the walls, cut it all in. I just did one coat. Wife and I looked at it and we're like, yeah, beautiful color, beautiful color. Not the right one. Just not going to work. Which means, unfortunately, I don't know if I'm going to have time to change this before Thanksgiving. Uh, Tomorrow I fly out. And uh, I'm going to be away doing some business for the week. So of course, I can't work on it nights and weekends until I get back. Uh, but when I get back, we'll see if we can't get it sorted out. But disappointing. You know, You put I put a whole weekend into this room to look at it and go, I'm not happy with it. That's kind of tough. Anyway, uh, first world problems, I guess. Whatever. So guys, let's talk a little bit here. Uh, strange world. You've been watching the news at all? You know, you've been watching the Kyle Rittenhouse uh, trial at all or any of the other news? It's just been a little strange. And the rittenhouse trial kind of inspired a uh, kind of a topic today a topic i i i've been very surprised i, I don't know if you've any, if you have been watching the actual trial itself they live streamed it last week now i think they're done with all the prosecution defense i think they've called all their witnesses they've gone through that process there has not been a decision yet that, that I'm aware of at this recording. I mean maybe there has been, but I'm not aware of a decision. I should probably check that as we speak uh, yeah there's no there's no verdict in fact, this is Wisconsin governor authorizes dispatch of National Guard ahead of the written House verdict. so that hasn't been decided yet. Thank you that's Isabella V. The family dog letting us know that we're in grave danger. There's probably a poodle walking outside that could at any moment go for our necks. the toy poodle. Uh, I don't know what's walking outside, but anyway, no verdict yet. But if you watch this, if you've watched this trial at all, there's something very strange. If you actually watch the footage, if you watch either the live streaming, which I didn't have time to do, or you watch clips you would see the actual event taking place. Now, we all look through our own lens. We all look through our own filter. I understand there's a level of subjectivity. I understand there's some cognitive bias and all that kind of BS that we all have to deal with. But if you watch the trial, and you can go back now and watch some of the clips, and then you compare that to how it is being represented in the news. There's such... There's such dissonance between the actual event, what people are actually saying, how they're actually behaving, what they're actually doing and who they actually are and how it's being represented in the news. And this, I mean, I've been saying for years that the news is corrupt. We've been talking about fake news before Donald Trump, certainly during Donald Trump. But there, but there's a lot of cynicism now around the news and when I watch the Rittenhouse trial, it it, it it really has either highlighted the degree that we are being lied to, I guess, but, but the, 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 the gulf be, between the actual events and how they're being reported. For instance, Rittenhouse shot three people. Of the three, one of them survived. The first two he killed, uh, the And, uh, the, the third one now, funny enough, all three of the people that he shot were criminals with criminal records. The first guy he shot, a pedophile had, had molested, raped young children, by the way, multiple had just been let out before the black lives matter event in Wisconsin and Kenosha went over to that event. I think from another city, I'm sure he was in Madison. I'm not sure where he was, Milwaukee. And, uh, you know, participated in this event, ended up getting killed, uh, attacked Rittenhouse. Of course, that's not what the prosecution is saying. But you've got a, a a pedophile, Rittenhouse dispatches this guy. You get another guy who's a wife beater, convicted wife beater, uh, tried to strangle his wife, et cetera. I think that's the I think that's the guy that hit him over the head with the uh, skateboard. I don't remember dead. And this third guy, uh, Gage, and I won't be able to pronounce his name. It's like. I don't know, Grosskreutz or something. Uh, he came at Rittenhouse and pretty close, like within a foot away, pulled a pistol and brought the pistol up and pointed it at Rittenhouse while he was on the ground, like he was about to shoot him. Rittenhouse is able to get a round off, I think his gun jammed, was able to clear the jam get a round off and hit this guy in the bicep of the arm that was holding the gun. Didn't kill him, but he blew his arm off. I mean, that guy's arm is still on, but he, he, that guy's messed up. So this guy takes the stand and when he takes the stand, uh, it was an amazing moment. It was a stunning moment because there's video footage that was held by the FBI, by the way, the FBI had drone footage all this time. It showed very clearly that this gage gross kreutz gross krautz that he pulled a gun, pointed a gun at Kyle before Kyle even raised his weapon at him. The whole time, Kyle's not pointing his gun at people. The way the media kind of reported this, it sounded like this kid's running around just aiming a gun and shooting at people. He's always got the gun at the down and ready position. Anybody that knows anything about guns, he's holding it in a very responsible way. It's pointed down and away at the ground. Uh, it's across the front of his body. I mean, he's got control of the weapon, uh, et cetera. The one guy is trying to rip the gun out of his hands. They, you, know, you can't let someone take your gun. If they take your gun, they're going to kill you. So he shot him and killed him, et cetera. The other guy's beating him with a skateboard. They're stomping on his head, just stomping on his head. If you've ever had your head on pavement, go ahead and put your head on the ground and imagine someone stomping on your head. The prosecution sits there and says, well, jeepers, that doesn't sound very bad. Why'd you have to kill him? You can die from having your head stomped on. I don't know if that's apparent to anybody. Anyway, and I'm not trying to make the argument that Kyle's innocent. I think he is innocent. I think that this is a very clear, very clear case of self-defense. And the reason I'm so confident in saying that is because I have in New York, the state of New York, I had until I left New York, a concealed carry permit. And when you have the the right uh, to, to carry and, and the legal right, which the Constitution provides, but when the state f- agrees that, yes, you may do this, to carry a pistol, you have to understand when it's lawful to use a firearm and when it is not. Just the right to carry a firearm doesn't allow you to do whatever you want with it, obviously. So you, so the last thing you want to do is to cause bodily harm or violence or death through Illegal use of your firearm or irresponsible use of your firearm or stupid use, et cetera. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, I don't know Kyle's how up to speed he was on things. But the point being, I'm telling you, looking at this, that this kid is just defending himself, that he had a right to be there, just like everybody else. He had a right to be there. The only issue that he has to deal with is he, he did not have a right to have the firearm, now, for people that don't know much about guns, then you'd say, "Well, that's it. Then he should go to jail for this. Uh, he might get in trouble for having a firearm." But you don't have to have a legal, uh, legal permission to carry a firearm in an emergency. If you're being attacked and there's a firearm near you, you are allowed to use it to protect yourself. Meaning, you can protect yourself against violence. Or, or fear of death if you think that you're about to suffer significant violent force or you think that you're about that your life is in danger you're allowed to use a firearm so for instance if someone's married and and let's say the let's 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 be modern let's say the wife has her carry permit but the husband doesn't this is some soy boy millennial he's got a tough wife though so she's carrying She's got the firearm in the uh, side table next to their bed. Now she's away on work. <laughs> he's home. <laughs> what a loser this guy is. <laughs> anyway, somebody breaks into the house. This person's in the house. Now this guy's life is in danger. This person's breaking into the bedroom, screaming, I'm going to kill who's ever in here. Whatever he's, who cares, Right. If the soy boy grabs the pistol off the nightstand or from the nightstand drawer and and levels this guy, the soy boy is not breaking the law. Even though he doesn't have a right to have a firearm, to carry a firearm, when his life is in danger, he can use whatever means necessary to protect himself. That's just how it works. These people are all wound up like, well, Kyle shouldn't have been there and he shouldn't have been carrying a gun and all this kind of stuff. Well, first of all, on the argument of he shouldn't have been there, and we're going to get to the news in a second here, kids. On the argument that he shouldn't have been there, you have a right to go anywhere that's legal. And I think that's an important right for all of us. That's like saying that girl should not have worn a bikini if she didn't want guys groping her. And, and we've all heard that argument in the past. It's like, well, you shouldn't dress like a slut if you don't want to be treated like one. But we're told today that you're allowed to dress however you want to dress, and you shouldn't have to suffer because of it. You want to wear a bikini? Wear a bikini. And you shouldn't have to suffer harassment because of it. And I'm fine with that. Like, I don't have a problem with that argument. This isn't Yemen. All right? So if a girl goes outside in a pair of shorts, she's not advertising that she's wanting to be raped. I think it's pretty straightforward stuff. Sorry to even say this kind of stuff, guys, but you, you get my point. I think the same thing goes for your freedom to move about the country as you see fit. If you live in one town, you want to go to another town, you can do it. There's no, there's no, there was n- no martial law. There was no curfew. There was no border patrol saying you're not allowed to cross state lines. He had every right to be there, just like you do, just like all the BLM. And all the Antifa thugs and all the news media, they all had a right to be there, as did Kyle. And you have the right, no matter where you are, to defend yourself. You have the right to protect your own life and those around you if you see fit. So, yes, he may have broken the law by bringing a gun across state lines and being a minor and and being in possession of that gun across state lines. That's fine. And if they want to nail him on that, then they should nail him on that. If he broke that law, then he should answer up to it. But it's irrelevant whether he broke the law or not, because once people are trying to kill him, to harm him, to maim him, then he has every right to use whatever force and tools at his disposal to protect himself, as do you, as do I. When you think that your life is in danger and you call the police to come to your home, are you hoping that they come with squirt guns or nine millimeters? Something tells me you want the police to come with nine millimeters. You don't want them to have squirt guns because if they come with squirt guns, you're all in trouble if the bad guy's got a gun. You're hoping the police come with force. You're using the police force to protect yourself. You're dialing that phone saying, come bring the big dogs. I'm in trouble. The only difference with Kyle Rittenhouse is he used his own weapon to protect himself. Now, it's in question should he have had the weapon. But this isn't like a cascading thing where you go, well, because he didn't have that weapon, then everything else he's done is wrong. When your life is in danger, you can use what like what if he laid the what if he said, you know, I'm not going to use this rifle, but I'll use a brick to defend myself. Would we have been happier? It's like, okay, good, good. At least he didn't use the illegal gun. What if he disarmed a guy who had an illegal gun, like a weapon that was used in other crimes that was had the serial number filed off? You know, what if he picked that up off the ground and used that? Would we have been upset about that? So when you watch the actual trial, Mike, get back to the topic... <laughs> When you watch the actual trial and you watch how the news is reporting it, it's two different worlds. What's really interesting is the mainstream media. If you So so, if you look at the FBI footage that was released, this Gage Grosskreutz, I, I really don't know how to say his name. Uh, forgive me, guys. It's obnoxious. I don't know how to say it. But this Gage character, he comes at Kyle, he attacks him, he pulls out a pistol, he's got a point blank. And as he's bringing it up to point it at Kyle... Now, th- keep in mind, Kyle has a gun. He hasn't pointed it at Gage yet. And Kyle's yelling, friendly, friendly. He's trying to let people know, I'm not here to shoot people. He's yelling, friendly, friendly. He's trying to get the help of the police. At one point, the police you know, blew him off earlier. He's trying to get the help of the police. He's yelling, friendly, friendly. He's letting people know, I'm not here to hurt people. The crowd's chasing him. He's being beaten. He's on the ground now. He's been knocked to the ground He's had to kill two people so far to protect himself. And there's a mob around him screaming things like, yeah, I won't even say what they're screaming. And this guy pulls a gun point blank on Kyle. What would you do? Would you say, oh, you got me, hands up. This isn't Cowboys and Indians, so Kyle shoots him. The way that the media represents this guy one of the CNN headlines, and I, I saved it to one of my devices, I did a screenshot. I don't think I have it here. Maybe I do on the computer. Let's see. I do not. But but what it said essentially was, is they interviewed this Gage character, CNN did, and they said, uh, paramedic who s- survived shooting describes Rittenhouse events, you know, like He's, he's not an Antifa dirtbag. All of a sudden, the guy's a paramedic. Why? Because his job, he does some paramedic work. He's not a full-time paramedic. He's a convicted... He's a criminal. He's got a criminal record. Uh, he did not have a legal gun, by the way. That gun was not legal. So he's there with an illegal gun also. <laughs> it's not even registered. And he pulls it on Kyle. Kyle shoots him first. He survives. But CNN calls them paramedic it 's almost like puppy lover and father of twelve orphans describes attack it 's like could you could you slant the news anymore and this is where i 'm going with all this I, I, and there 's a reason we should care. I know some of you are listening saying mike you 're so biased you 're right wing conservative you 're biased and you 're just angry because your side 's not winning or or the left is telling the story through their own narrative. There's a deeper thing here that I think we have to get a hold of, and I want to get to that in just a second. But there's a reason I'm going after this, so just kind of stick with me on this. When you look at the Rittenhouse trial, you watch the footage, then you watch how it's being reported. It's like two different worlds. It's not even close, and they're not even pretending anymore to try to represent the events of the day. They're not even trying, they're not even pretending that they're providing you facts. They are spinning narratives. They've been doing this now for a couple years. Look, they've been doing it for decades, but the mask has come off. There's no mask anymore. It's not, that the intentions aren't hidden. They're just outright lying to us. They are telling us stories and narratives based on what they want us to believe. They're, they're warping reality. There's no reason to say paramedic recounts, you know, that survived recounts. Wh- why are you telling me he's a paramedic? Oh, uh, second child in family of four recounts man who saved puppy dog ones recounts. It's like, why not just say gauge gross cruts recounts trial? Why? Why do you have to qualify? Why do you have to kind of make him into something? Why is it so important to call him a paramedic all of a sudden? And what's really interesting in his actual in his actual uh, time on the as a witness on the stand, he got nailed so hard, and the prosecution—I mean, the case—I was going to talk about this a minute ago—almost it pretty much fell apart. Because essentially, the defense asks him, did my client point his gun at you when you had your hands up? And he said, no, he didn't. Okay. Did my client point his gun at you when you pointed your gun at him first? So when you drew your gun and pointed him, is that when my client pointed the gun at you? He said, yes, that's when he pointed the gun and shot me. And then all of a sudden there's this silence and you look over at the prosecution and the prosecution, they have got he's got his head in his hands. It's just like, are you kidding me? Their key witness, this Gage Gross-Kruitz just admitted that when I was not a threat, Kyle Rittenhouse did not point a gun at me. When I had my hands up, he did not point a gun at me. He didn't try to kill me when I was not a threat. When I pulled a gun and pointed it at him is when he shot me. That right there, folks, it's done. It's done. But if you were to watch the mainstream media, you know nothing about this. I've talked before about the news and the news media and how it's changed over time from just you know, the news started out as just reporting facts, like what happened in the world today? There was a a flood, a ship sank, a war broke out. These are just the things that happen. You're just up to date on what's going on in the world around you. And over time, it's evolved into these kind of pseudo events. They're not even real events. I'm not going to go into all that. But even beyond that, it's evolved into this I think there was a commission, I want to say in the 19... Was it the 1940s or 50s? I almost think it was the late 40s, post-World War II. Uh, And it had a bunch of well-known people, uh, theologians, business people, so on, on a commission. And the name escapes me right now. But essentially, this commission came out and said, hey, there's too much going on in the world right now. And the average person can't process it all. But more importantly not only can they not process it, they really don't know what to make of it. And so journalists' responsibility to society, good media and journalism and reporters, what they need to do for society is first of all, decide what we need to know about. There's too much. So just don't tell us everything. Decide what we need to know about. And second make sure that you help us understand what we should think about those things. Don't just filter and provide a curated list of stories, but tell us what we should think about those things. I'll have to do a follow-up on this. I know I've talked about this in, in earlier episodes. This commission, though, its findings were that. And so what you see is the media taking on the mantle of reality creation. They will let you know what matters and they will let you know what to think about it. And that's what we're seeing right now. They're not reporting the facts of the Rittenhouse story. They're not reporting what happened and letting you decide. They're spinning a narrative. When they talk about the fact, when when the headline says, paramedic describes surviving... Like right there, that's so loaded. Now, if you don't believe me about that, let's take another example here before I tell you why this all matters. You guys have heard about the COVID-19, haven't you? I don't know if you've heard about the COOF. Uh, yours truly had it for a couple of weeks. Not a fun ride, I'll tell you that. But if you've had this thing, COVID-19... The welfare state in its great wisdom decided there's only one way to fight this and one way only, and that's through the wisdom of St. Anthony Fauci. We now have the vaccine. There's nothing else. You can't be healthy. You can't lose weight. You can't get fresh air. You can't exercise. You can't exercise personal wisdom, judgment, et cetera. No, 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 no. You have to be vaxxed. Even if you've had the COOF and you have natural immunity, which study after study has shown to be far superior than the VAX, you got to get the VAX because for the totalitarian welfare state, there's only one answer, and that answer is always a sledgehammer. Thank you, Soviet Union. If there's a stupid, moronic, inefficient, clunky, bureaucratic, Dehumanizing way to solve a problem. Well, damn it, that's what we're going to do. And so that's where we are in America, in a lot of the world right now, especially Europe and America. You got to get the vax. Now, a lot of you heard early on that this vax was causing uh, what was it myocarditis? Boy, I'm not a pronunciator today, am I? Uh, the an enlarging of the heart, especially in young males. We heard stories of young men ending up in the hospital, guys in their 20s and teens and so on, with enlarged hearts. By the way, that's not a temporary uh, situation. That's not a temporary state. It's not like you get it for a little while, then when your heart goes back down, everything's good. It's damage. It's damage to your heart, it's cardiac damage. When this happens to you, you now have a compromised heart. Congratulations, you've been screwed. And it was happening to a lot. And then the media, quick, quick, you know, let people know, oh, it's just a temporary thing. Not a big deal. This is just a couple people. We're not really sure. I, I wouldn't worry about it. Get the backs. Did you get your third shot? How about your fourth? Hey, it's time for your sixth shot. Did you get it yet? So what's happening, and, and you won't hear about this, but if you do a tiny bit of digging, you'll see it. Young people are dropping dead on sports fields, professional soccer players, Football players, college athletes, high school athletes, people are dropping all over the world. There are people dropping dead all over the world. Young people, athletes, physically fit, healthy people. Now, you would hear about this every once in a while. This isn't like never heard before. Every once in a blue moon, there might be somebody that drops dead. Oh, he had an aneurysm. We didn't know. Or he had another, you know, like this kid, a high school, college athlete, good athlete, didn't. there was no issue, dropped dead. This, this does happen once in a blue moon. All of a sudden, people are dropping dead. They're dropping dead. They're dropping dead. They're ending up in the hospital. Some of them are surviving, by the way, but people are dropping all over the place. And if you do a little bit of research, you can see these headlines. And it's not just in America. It's in Europe, America. It's all over. You start to piece this together and you say, holy smokes, something's going on. Something's changed. Something's not right. Is the news media reporting this? No. But what you're starting to see now is like things like uh, banner advertising on buses, letting you know that, oh, by the way, you know, kids can get heart attacks. It's like, uh, okay, who I didn't know anybody was asking about this, but thanks for telling me. Oh, yeah, kids can get strokes, you know. So all of a sudden, we're starting to let everybody know that, oh, by the way, you know, this can happen. It's like, why are we, why why is this a thing? So just the other day, the American Heart Association came out with a study and they have a new disorder that they're telling us about. The disorder is called the cannabis use disorder. Here's the headline published by the American Heart Association on November 8th, it says cannabis use disorder may be linked to growing number of heart attacks in younger adults. So it's admitting that there's a growing number of heart attacks in younger adults. We really don't know what's going on. And that, and their argument is essentially that because pot has been legalized more and more across the world, that people under 50 are experiencing uh, more heart attacks uh, ages 18 to 34, mostly men, uh, and, and, they're, and they're getting heart attacks. They're dying from it, and they're pretty sure that this is linked to smoking pot. Now, what else out there could be causing this? I, I can't think of it. What, why all of a sudden are people having heart attacks? Why are people dropping dead, young people? Very strange to me. So what am I saying about this? Why, I, I'm not here commenting on cannabis use. I, I, I'm not really. I don't really care. There's all kinds of stuff that'll kill you. I love. I love fatty food, bacon. I'm all in hamburgers, pizza, love it. I, I get it. I'm not a big. Sm- I used to smoke cigars. Had a little scare a couple years ago. Just turned out to be stress. wasn't wasn't actually anything with the cardio, but it, but it, but it was stress-related. And I just thought, you know what, I'm going to quit smoking. So no more cigars, no more pipe. Kind of miss it a little bit, but not that much, quite frankly. There's all kinds of things that can lead to heart attack. But when you've got young people all of a sudden dropping with heart problems, and golly gee, just a few months ago, we were hearing about the vaccine, the Pfizer vaccine, and Moderna causing myocarditis. But But now all of a sudden, we're not going to talk about that. We're pushing this vax on younger and younger people. But we're going to come out with this cannabis use disorder to kind of explain how possibly uh, a lot of these heart issues with young people could be linked to the smoking of, of, of weed. Here's what I want to say. All this to say what? All this to say that when the abundance of MAPs You know, we use maps to navigate our way. We use maps to represent the terrain that we're in. We use maps to find our way, to navigate. When we don't know where we're going, when we don't really know the terrain by heart, we use maps to kind of tell us where are we, what's around us, how do we get to where we're trying to go, we need maps. They represent, they are not the terrain, but they represent the terrain, the territory that we're in. When the abundance of maps, when, when the maps that, that you and I rely on, I'm speaking metaphorically for those of you that aren't following, when they don't represent the territory, when your map doesn't represent the territory, it results in delusion, Now, in the real world, when your map doesn't represent the territory, if you've got a map that's got bad information, you end up lost, confused, turned around. You you don't know how to get to where you're going. You become detached. You become decontextualized because you don't have proper context. You can't find where you are in relation to anything else. You are lost. And when the metaphorical maps of our culture and society do not represent the terrain, the territory that we find ourselves in, it results in delusion. You have a society of people that are deluded. They think that they are somewhere that they are not. And so what's going on right now, in my humble opinion, is we're being fed narratives and stories. We're being told things that are not true I don't care if you're right wing left wing down the middle or whatever you should want the truth because when you are being fed lie after lie after lie and i don't care like look fox news is full of shit too i'm not i'm not taking sides right now i need you to hear me this is not about one side versus the other i know i spent 30 minutes banging away on the left wing media about how Kyle Rittenhouse virtuously defended himself. I get that. I understand for some people listening, they're going to say, Yeah, I'm all in. But others of you are going to say, Mike, you've just lost me because you're a partisan. But I'm telling you, when the map does not represent the territory, it results in delusion. We are lost. If you think that the media is telling us the truth, you are deluded. You are under a strong delusion. If you think that what is being represented on YouTube and in podcasts and on your news media and so on, if you think that you read social media and you're getting the the litmus test of what's going on and what's real and what's happening, what's true, you are deluded. You are under a strong delusion. Not diluted, but diluted. <laughs> yeah. This is the situation that we're in. We are living in a world where the maps do not represent the territory, and we are lost. And it has this disorienting effect because you, you rely on the map. It's like, how could my map be wrong? I maybe you remember paper maps back in the day. Atlas is a road atlas. I used to be a regional sales guy. I covered the Northeast, a lot of it by car, by automobile. And I had a Rand McNally, you know, an eight and a half by eleven. It was probably bigger, actually. It was like one of those books. It was a road atlas. I keep it in the car and you know, flip open to a state, and it had cities as well, breakout cities, the main cities. And I go from city to city, state to state. I relied on that thing. And that thing was like a Bible. And it was, it was rarely, if I can ever remember wrong. I mean, sometimes there were detours, you you wouldn't know about up to the minute info. But if it said Route 90 ran through Buffalo and through Rochester and through Syracuse, you could pretty much bank on the fact that Route 90 ran through Buffalo, Rochester, and Syracuse. And today, you know, with the digital world, we do expect a little bit of a hiccup or a blip here or there. It's like, oh yeah, this this number's off a little bit or this got Because ch-, everything's changing anyway. It can be updated so easily. They're not printing a million of these and selling them throughout. Uh, rest stop areas throughout the country. So we understand sometimes a little bit of a fudge factor, but we pretty much rely on this stuff to the point now. Most people, even in their own cities, don't know how to get from point A to B without relying on their GPS in their car or on their phone. One of the things I've tried to avoid doing here, and I, I have to use it, I mean, but I of I use it as little as possible. I try not to use Google Maps or my car's GPS any more than I have to after moving to Charleston because I'm trying to make sure that I learn the lay of the land. It's just too easy to say, "Hey, you want to go to Sullivan's Beach to Lydia?" and she's like, "Yeah, let's do it." And I just punch it up on the GPS and just follow. I've got to learn this. I have to know it. I have to get the lay of the land. I have to know what routes and what directions and it's a little confusing. I, I, you know, Being from the north, I tend to think of some of the things this area, like north and south, they're actually east and west, the way the city lays on the coastline, et cetera. Like, I kind of feel like, well, that should, be, that should be 26 south. Why are they calling that 26 east? But if you look on a map, it's like, yeah, it kind of cheats southeastern. I get it. And it or runs north northwestern. So we rely on these things for everything. And I th- and I think you know that's that's kind of a important piece to this. I, I I wasn't planning on pulling this out, but when the map doesn't represent the terrain, you have delusion. But I guess the other part of that is how much do we rely on these maps? And the fact is, we we live by them. If in the old days, I know I sound like an old man, but if you used a paper map, use a an atlas or a fold up map. You know, you use it for the big strokes. How do I get from this city to that city? You didn't necessarily use it for all the minutiae, and you kind of memorized different things. You remembered how to turn here, go there. You knew this street runs this way or that. Like, if you're in New York City, you know, like, oh, okay, all these even streets run this way, and all the odd streets run that way, and all the letter streets this way. You know, like, you you figure things out. And you kind of get a feel for where you are, and you use your mind to navigate, and you use physical landmarks. We rely so much on GPS right now. We rely so much on our phones. Like, we can't get from point A to B without Google telling us how, and it might be just a three-mile drive. Uh, This has been highlighted for me on my motorcycle. When I take the motorcycle out, especially to areas that I don't know that well... I don't have time to pull. Like, I'm riding. I've got gloves on anyway. The last thing I want to do is take my gloves off, pull my phone out, you know, try to get the phone and flip it open and get to Google Maps and punch. I'm riding a motorcycle. I don't have time for that. And I'll be damned if I'm going to mount a GPS unit on 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 the handlebars of the bike so that I can use it. I've got to know where I am. I have to figure it out. I have to use my mind. I have to get familiar with my surroundings. There's a time and place. I've pulled over to gas stations, you know, just get the bike off the road for a minute, kind of get my bearings. Okay, okay, I got to go up here. I'm going to make a right after that. I got to pick up the street. That should get me to the lake. And then I'm going to go left. And, you know, like I'll kind of map out ahead of time. I try to keep it in my mind. But we rely so much on GPS that the level that we rely upon it lets us know why it's important that it has integrity. If you only used it once in a while and it was mostly right, big deal. But we live by these things. So if they're not correct, we're screwed. And I think if you look at this kind of metaphorically uh, and look at the maps that are being created for us by our media, it wouldn't be a big deal if it was just 10 minutes of your life. You kind of peruse a couple headlines. You go, huh, and you go on with your life. But the fact is most of us are living by these maps that they create for us. We're living by them. We rely on them totally. And so for these maps to be corrupted, for them to be dishonest, for them to be untrue, casts us into a state of delusion. We are living in a world that is not true, a world in our minds and, and the reality of the world around us, and the world that we think that we are in, the gulf is so large between those two, it's stunning. so as we wrap this up today, I just want to encourage you to think about this a little bit. This is so important. If you're saying to me, and people say, I've been asked this so many times, well, Mike, where do you get your news source from? If, if you can't trust this one, if you can't trust that one, where do you get your news source from? And I'll go back to the metaphor of the GPS. Stop going to the news. You don't need it. How do you get an understanding of the terrain that you are living in, that you are navigating through, that you are a part of? You interact with it. You don't sit and stare at your GPS. You go outdoors. Yeah, I look at my weather app to get a feel for what the day's going to be like, but I still step outside and breathe in some air and look up in the sky, get a feel for the humidity. Does the this, does this horizon look a little stormy? I mean, We're so inured, we are so in love with our digital resources that we're not even engaged with the real world around us. So if you're worried about, well, I need news. And if I don't know, how am I going to know what's going on in the world? You're telling me that I can't trust these guys. Well, who can I trust? Start reading books. Start talking to people. Start engaging the real world around you. And if you want to find a source for deep, unchanging truth, well, then look to what mankind has looked to for thousands and thousands of years for truth. Where has mankind found truth for thousands of years? You know, we're so quick to look down our nose on the ancients. We're so quick to look down our nose on our ancestors They're so backwards and they didn't have technology and they didn't, they're not children of the enlightenment like we are and we have science. And yet we're deluded. We're walking around deluded. How is it that these complete idiots that went before us were able to keep the human race going to such a degree that here we are today standing on their shoulders, living our best life possible. They must have been doing something right to get us this far. There wasn't anybody a thousand years ago worried about mankind being wiped out because of our own lunacy. But here you and I are sitting, supposedly the pinnacle of human experience, and and we know it. As I say this, you know it in your heart of hearts. We are on the verge of wiping ourselves out if we're not careful. We've never had to worry about that before. And it's not just because we've gotten access now to the atomic and nuclear energy and all that. It's because we're so stupid and idiotic and and suicidal and hell-bent on self-destruction that you and I both know we run the risk of doing it to ourselves. We're stupid enough to do it to ourselves. Yet somehow the ancients were able to shepherd mankind through generation after generation after generation and deliver us to where we are today. We have no one to blame but ourselves for where we're at, but they got us here. They handed off society to us and said, hey, don't screw it up. And we're like, you can't tell me what to do. I'll screw it up if I want to. Watch me. (laughs) We're like a 12 or 13-year-old boy trying to prove to his parents that he doesn't have to listen to them anymore. We can't wait to get rid of every institution that mankind has built and tested and tried For thousands and thousands and thousands of years. We know better somehow. And yet we're on the verge of of utter chaos. So I want to encourage you. I know that's a very encouraging word I just shared with you. Seek out the truth. I know I'm a broken record, but I'm telling you the times are getting darker. They're getting more confusing. And we are living in a world, a society that is... That has just gone into such deep delusion. I don't want you to be part of that. I want you to know the truth. I want you to seek it. I don't want you to be able to live it in a way that's heroic. Guys, uh, I don't know if you know this, but I love you all. I'm grateful that you listen. Thank you for your time. Appreciate the notes of encouragement. Appreciate the conversations. Some of you guys will send an email, reach out to me. Uh, you share some of your news with me. Uh, I I love hearing that kind of stuff and I, I do appreciate the encouragement. Of course, if you disagree, you can do that too. I don't mind having a conversation if you're respectful and go back and forth a little bit. I hope you guys have a great week. I'll be talking to you in just a few days, but until then, know that Uncle Mike loves you and I'll catch you in the next episode.